Go and Center became what it was. It was 100% to them. It was blood, sweat and tears and time and years of being there and making sure everything was done properly and uh, done with a, a very big heart. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Legend is a term easily bandied around Australia. It's become part of the local tongue. But when it comes to restaurants and families of influence in food, few could handle the moniker better than the Wongs of Golden Century fame. Billy Wong is the owner of XOPP by Golden Century, the Century by Golden Century and Golden Century Barbecue. Billy, how are you? Thank you, Anthony. That's a, that's a very flattering and... Um and a very generous introduction. So thank you very much. I'm great and happy to be on your podcast. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a very, very apt thing to call your family. I'm not sure there's many people in Sydney that haven't experienced Golden Century and um, a lot of us miss the original. Um, how are things going at the moment with the three venues you have? Uh, things are going quite well. Look, I think um, we've... Everyone in the industry, um, we've gone through a lot. But having said that, I think we've uh, been through a lot, and we've we've always been tough as a group and tough as operators. Um, and we've been through the worst of it, and now we're um, we're quite happy where we are, um, the way things have gone, and we're quite proud of what we've got and what we've achieved to date. You've got uh, three amazing restaurants at the moment and obviously the iconic Golden Century, which we can get to a little bit later on. But tell us about the three venues um, that you have going at the moment and sort of how different they are from each other. Um, XOPB, we opened that in 2019, uh, three months before the COVID period, but that was actually the establishment of the Darling Square Precinct as a whole. Um, a lot of people would know the Darling Square Precinct previously as where the entertainment centre used to be, um, and it's now been redeveloped into a wonderful and buzzing dining, residential and fun precinct. Um, XOPB came about as a, as a restaurant that um, we opened to sort of... Uh, to capture as a as a younger crowd, it was supposed to be more modern. It was fun, um, and yet it plays to the name of our signature dish that started more than twenty five years ago, which was the stir fried peepees with exo sauce. It's, it's an extraordinary dish. Um, tell us a little bit more detail about that dish because there aren't many Sydney ciders that haven't had it. So it was it was listed as a iconic dish in Sydney, um, in the Sydney Morning Herald many years ago. And it was something that started or originated at Golden Century um, in Sydney's Chinatown. So it was a dish that sort of paired a, a very accessible seafood, which was the very humble pippies, and with our house-made exo sauce. So exo sauce has always been a dish which is uh, which originated from Hong Kong. It's a dish that's made with premium ingredients, and the name XO actually came from uh, 
it used to be in Hong Kong where it was always associated with associated with the most expensive ingredients being used to make a sauce um, that paired very well with seafood. Tell us a bit about the other two restaurants, The Century and Golden Century Barbecue as well. So The Century we opened back in 2012, but the history at the Star actually goes back to 1997. So we've been at The Star um, since 1997, originally when the Star City first opened. Um, some of you listeners may or may not remember when they first opened the Star, it used to be the Sydney Harbour Casino. And then when they opened Star City, we moved in and we opened a restaurant called City Noodle Cafe. It was the fast casual Cantonese barbecue with simple stir fries. Um, and it was just a really popular, simple, casual sort of place to go to. And the century sort of came about when they did the whole redevelopment of the star. They built um, a new hotel, the Darling. They built the event center. Um, and at the time when we left, they they asked, they invited us to come back to reopen as their signature Cantonese Chinese restaurant um, here on the property. So we opened the Century as a signature Cantonese Chinese restaurant at the start, and we've been here since 2012 and the rest is history. And the Golden Century Barbecue is a little newer. Um, how did that come about? Golden Century Barbecue came about when um, when we were expanding at XOPB in Darling Square and we were running a bit of out of space. Uh, as as chefs in kitchens, you, you never, ever have enough space. So we were getting busy and there was an opportunity where we could, where we saw a, an, I guess, a gap in the market where people were looking for fast, casual Cantonese barbecue in Chinatown, in Darling Square, where they could just come in, grab a quick um Cantonese roast meats, um, and that was where the opportunity came up. Um, a space came up for us to open up directly underneath XOPP, and that became a sort of takeaway offering that we could do where people would come in with, uh, to pick up some roast duck, barbecue pork, roast pork, some ch soy chicken. And for those who don't know the... Cantonese roast meats is a bit like your local chicken shop in if you if you sort of grew up in Hong Kong so people would always stop by the the local roast meats pick up something and then have an extra dish or an extra main course to have at home for dinner um, it was always the fast meal that you could have for lunch um, it was all that that quick meal so you pair it with rice pair it with noodles you could have it with soup and what we've done as well we've also just added some side dishes of dumplings so that in itself was a gap that we thought was um was there was demand for and there was a lot of people just seeking to just have a quick bite to eat and it sort of fit that space and fit that market and fit the location for us um, very well particularly with the with the buzz with the fun with the vibe of Darling Square as a dining precinct. Golden Century over many decades was a go-to for many people in Sydney and particularly those in the hospitality sector as well once they'd finished uh, work and put the tools down. Well take us back to the period of time when 
the decision was made to close it. Was it was it a difficult time for you guys? For many people, when the news broke out, um, it was obviously news. But for us, it was something that was ongoing for quite a while. Um, the lease was up. It was in the middle of lockdown and in the middle of COVID. Um, and we just couldn't come to terms with the renewal of the lease. So we were in that site for 32 years. So when we first arrived in Australia, I was a young boy back then and mum and dad started running Golden Century in 1989 after arriving from Hong Kong as new migrants after two weeks of arriving. So they settled us into school, settled us at home, and then they started running a restaurant uh, in a new country, new language, um, and that was that was the sacrifices that they made um, for for us. So that was how it started. But I guess if you sort of fast forward thirty two years, was it a difficult decision? Absolutely. Um, but it was a decision that ultimately had to be made. Um, it wasn't it wasn't a time for us to continue to stay at that venue at that site. So ultimately, we had to decide to to leave. Um, but what we've really what we've really ended up doing is we've uh, reassigned our chefs and also our um, a number of our staff over to XOPP Bagon Century, where it now offers the traditional menu, the same menu, um, and the same offering, the same food, the same taste, and the same recipes. And you can now have that at XOPP by Golden Century and also the Century at the start. Take us back to when you were young. Do you, do you have some stories of what it was like growing up with your parents building, you know, what became this iconic establishment? Um, what was it like, you know, as a kid growing up in that family with the restaurant? Growing up in... In, in, I guess it, it was like in any other migrant family. I think the parents were always at work. We were always sort of, uh, so parents would always be working hard. They'll work 15 hours a day, every day. And I've told this story before, but dad used to go to work in the morning, so lunch shift, sleep in the car. And then um, wake up and then do the night shifts and finish up at four o'clock. So it's one of those things where if you sort of put us as, as our generation now to sort of do the sacrifices that they've, they've, that they've done, um, it's hard to imagine what's been going, what was going through their mind and what was going through their head. But that was what they did. Um, it was a matter of being a new country, possibly as a matter of survival. Um, but it was just all about hard work, all about the grind and all about just getting it done and look for them it was never about building golden century into the institution that it was it was just for them it was just going to work every day doing what had to be done doing what they thought was right and they did that day in day out um, without many day offs do do you have any stories of when you started to work in the business as a young man (laughs) I actually looked into I, – I, when I first finished school, I never 
when I finished school, I went to university, I studied finance, I studied psychology, and I actually worked in corporate for, I worked in corporate for a number of years. I worked in corporate for seven years um, before eventually sort of leaving the corporate sector and start working with the, with the family and working in hospitality. So I was a, I was a late joiner um, in a way, but the 10, 12 years that I have worked with the family, it's, it's been an amazing experience. It's been a big learning experience at the same time as well. Um, but having grown up in the restaurant, I remember doing homework in the restaurant um, Mum would pick me up from school, take me back to the restaurant, and I'd be there till 11 o'clock when mum finished, and then she'll take me home. So if I was, if I had homework to do, I'd be sitting in the, in the little, in, in the corner doing my homework. And then at night when I was tired, I'd doze off, and then mum would take me home, go to sleep, and then, and then take me back to school the next day. So that was the sort of life that, um, my, that was sort of my childhood growing up. Um, if you sort of think back, it, it, we are we're very lucky um, the way we've the way we're growing up now, the, the lives that we have now. But that's that was how uh, that was how I thought every other kid was growing up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell us about the growth of Golden Century because they never set out for it to be, you know, decades, you know, of, of influence and such a huge beast that it became as an enormous restaurant. Um, are there some really sort of pivotal moments and stages of its development that you can share with us? I think. There, there were different stages of Golden Century sort of growing and sort of becoming and, and sort of what it grew into, what, what it became. Um, I remember when we first arrived or when we first started, it was a restaurant that was um, just a little bit, it was on the same block, just a bit further down the street. Um, it started as a 150-seat little Chinese restaurant um, that was open late at the time, and it, it catered to the local Chinese uh, clientele or customers. And then after a year in 1990, we then moved to the location um, where people knew, knew of. Um, and at the beginning, it was just the first floor. So it was just the first floor. It was, a, it was slightly bigger. It was a new restaurant. And then people started going, became popular. And what happened was we then opened the second floor, but only half of it. And then after a while, we opened the second floor and then it was became the whole floor. And so it operated as two floor restaurants um, for probably about 20 years. And then in 2019, what happened was there was, um, we had an extra floor above, um, that was then expanded to become three floors uh, of Golden, for Golden Century, seating 600 people. Give us a sense of scale. How many people a week would come through that restaurant? Oh, look, uh, thinking back, I, actually, I don't, uh, honestly, I don't actually have the numbers of how many people went through the restaurant, but the, the hours would be 12 from lunchtime noon, 12 noon, it would open 12 noon, and it'll go all the way to four o'clock. And 
there was no breaks in between. There were shifts. There were just people taking over shifts, crossing over shifts, crossing over. Um, it went from twelve to four, um, nonstop every day, uh, three hundred and sixty-five days a week a year. <laughs> what do you think made it a special uh, restaurant? I think it was it was the authenticity of Golden Century. It was the restaurants. Um, it was a relate. It was a relatability of the restaurant where people could go in and have a wonderful meal um, for whatever occasion. So, I always thought the best part of walking into Golden Century was having people who would be sitting there celebrating a graduation or a birthday, and then you also had families that would just be having dinner there three, four times a week. Um, you had tables that were ordering lobsters, king crab, um, a biggest feast next to tables that were having stir-fried noodles and a congee and everyone felt comfortable. You had people from all sorts of backgrounds. You had taxi drivers throughout the day, and you had people who were doing business in suits, sitting next or ta- uh, sitting at a table right next to you, um, doing deals. And that was the kind of that was the kind of restaurant Golden Century was. It was a real go-to as well for um, the chefs of Sydney, and even Anthony Bourdain filmed in there as well. Why do you think that was? Why do you think chefs were so drawn to Golden Century? I think again, it was just the. The consistency and the food for the chefs was always the the draw card. Um, all the chefs knew that when they walked into Golden Century, they were always going to get the best quality ingredients cooked by the best chefs, and they were going to have a great meal. I think that in itself is probably the first thing. But in sort of thinking back, what people knew Golden Century for was going in there um, and being able to have a meal that they could just really just relax. And as I said, anyone could walk in there and still feel comfortable. They were they felt like it was their second home. They didn't have to think about what was happening around them and they could just really enjoy themselves. And anyone could just walk in and just do that. You mentioned the importance of the Pippi's and Exo sauce, which is a classic, amazing uh, contribution to um, food in Australia. But f- for yourself, do you, is there a couple of dishes that you remember fondly or love from the Golden Century era? The Golden Century was always known for its live seafood, and it always will be, and it still is now, even at Exo PP and even at the Century. So... The go-to for myself was always the salt and pepper lobster. I know salt and pepper squid was always a dish that was that that was always hugely popular. Um, for me, the comfort dish is always a steamed whole live fish, and for special occasions, it's a bit more extravagant. It's delicacy, and it's an abalone that's thinly sliced, and it's done steamboat style. So. For me, these dishes were the dishes that I would always ask for if we were celebrating a birthday. People always used to think it's like, oh, you're at Golden Century, you must have like lobsters and, and 
crab every day. It, it's, it wasn't like that. <laughs> so we, most of the time we were having stir-fried noodles and stir-fried beef. But on the occasion when, when, when we had special celebrations, yes, absolutely. So mom and dad would say, what would you like to have today? Let's celebrate. And my go-to was always the salt and pepper lobster. Um, and I think when you were talking about it's like what people were always why people found Golden Century so special it's I think it's the little things that um, Golden Century has always done it's the attention to doing the food and doing it right so when you're cooking a lot of it comes down to experience especially when you're a um, a Cantonese uh, Cantonese chef in a kitchen of that size you have many different sections within a chinese within a chinese restaurant and the the attention to detail and the steps that they go through they didn't take any shortcuts it was always done um step by step and everything was just done as busy as they got it was just something that they would do it the right way, execute it properly, do it properly every time. And it came through in the food, it came through in the taste, and it definitely came through it when people were sitting down ordering a dish and having that dish. And I think that was, that's probably the most important in maintaining the consistency and the quality of having the best ingredients, the fresh ingredients, and having the food cooked and executed the way it should be done. What does it take to to run such a huge, you know, 600-seat venue with so many staff and open so many hours. Like, how, how, do, you, how do you keep things um, on track and prevent the sort of chaos from erupting? I remember going into Golden Century and I love standing in the kitchen and just watching the guys work. And, and the way it operated was because everyone sort of knew each other and everyone who work, have worked with each other for such a long time, um, there was a, it was like a choreography of people knowing what they're doing. And it could be a silent operation. If you sort of look at the way they worked, they would just look at each other, they would see what's in front of them and they knew exactly what had to be done. And I thought that was the beauty of standing in a kitchen like that. It didn't need to have a lot of people screaming at each other, yelling out things. Um, it was just an operation where people just were pumping up dishes at speed, um, but people just working so well with each other and working in harmony and working to a point where it was just a well-oiled and I would say machine, um, and it really was. It really was. So it's it's a bit like of if you sort of think you could call it maybe like a an orchestra. If you if you love music, you could think of it as like a, a very well run team of uh, of chefs. And you could if you love sport, it's just a really well. It's just a good team that, that sort of work together really well. And it's not something that you could just reproduce. 
it's something that took years of people working together, people knowing each other and people understanding each other um, and having that sort of chemistry between the, between the different teams and having the heart of doing everything right and not taking those shortcuts. Your parents, Eric and Linda, um, as, you, as you mentioned, sort of started this restaurant way, way, way back, 32 years, 32 years ago or more. Um, and, you know, did they pass any sort of influence or advice on to you when you shifted your career from finance into the industry that you can share with us? Uh, look, 100%. Look, if, if the Golden Century is all their hard work. So... Um, they were given the Legend Award by the Sydney Morning Herald Good Food um, two years ago, and with that recognition, I think they were they were extremely proud and extremely happy. But having said that, I personally, with uh, with a bit of bias, even though they, they've they've they got that recognition, I still think that there's a lot that people don't see um, behind the scenes of, of what they've actually put into the restaurant. So I've always thought of Golden Century as them. It's it's their, even though we're the sons, but I think Golden Century was their baby. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Golden Century became, Golden Century became what it, what it was. It was, hundred percent to them. It was blood, sweat, and tears, and time, and years of being there and making sure everything was done properly and uh, done with a, a very big heart. The what they've passed on to me was pretty much the doing things the right way, um, the hard work that you need to put in. There are no shortcuts. Nothing's easy. People talk about work-life balance. It's like there's only work. There's <laughs> one life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that—that's the way it was. I think that's—that's how—that's how they—they how they looked at it, and and they took it. They—they they took the restaurant um, so seriously. They took the time to make sure everything was done properly. Um, they were there every day. They would get their hands dirty. They would be working with the staff all the time and making sure things were things were done um, the right way. They supported the the team. They supported the the chefs who were there, um, and they made sure that whatever the experience that the guests were having, whatever the experience that the guests got, was the best that they could do. There was people from all over the world came to Golden Century to enjoy the hospitality there and, um, you know, famous people as well. And Do you have any stories um, that you can share of like a big event or um, people coming um, from abroad to the restaurant? I would say one of the highlights for myself and also, um, and I know mum and dad had, a, had an amazing time and it's something that they're still talking about today, was a good food event that we did um, as part of Good Food Month. Um, it was an event that we did and it was called Midak Feast. It was a feast that we sort of conjured up where we would start at midnight um, we invited the chefs of Sydney 
which included it was Tetsuya, Neil Perry, we had Peter Gilmore, and then at the time we also had Dan Hong, Morgan McLone, Mitch Orr, and as an honorary chef, guest chef, we also um, asked uh, David Chang of Momofuku. So the way the event went was each of the chef picked a dish that they loved and that they had a story to tell. Um, and we all sort of put those dishes together and created a banquet out of that. So that for me was such a special event where every single of those chefs didn't blink an eye and said, yes, would love to be part of it. And I think um, the, the, the feedback that we got from that was it's just an amazing, an amazing experience to be able to um, see the chefs of different generation coming through. Um, their influence on the Sydney dining scene is will be legendary and their legacy would be made for many years to come. So you have your godfathers of dining of Sydney dining um, and the chefs that come through, many of them would have worked with with your Tetsuya's, with your Neil Perry's and these generations are coming through. They're the face of Sydney. That's bringing through the next generation of chefs. And many of these chefs have been dining at Golden Century for many years. They've been massive, big supporters of of Golden Century, every time they have guests or every time they have chefs that would come to Australia, um, they would be having those late nights. Every time they win an award, they would have their late night celebrations with their team. And that for us is an amazing honour. Um, and for us to be able to host an event like that, um, where they would come in, share their stories and have fun and have a great night with all these fellow chefs and people from the industry, uh, that would have been one of the highlights of, of something that I would be telling my kids. Extraordinary. These days you're running three restaurants. How has the move into the family business over the years changed you? It's it's changed me a lot. So when I finished studies, I worked in I, I studied finance and studied psychology, and but I ended up working in corporate and finance. And I worked in corporate and working in corporate, and then sort of making that switch and working in the family business. Obviously, the dynamics change. Um, working in hospitality setting also changes at the same time your work hours also change um but i was no longer working in a corporate environment i was working in my own business accountability then all of a sudden became something that you are ultimately responsible for not just the business itself but you're also responsible for the 250 staff that uh that was working in the business um many of them would have watched me grow up. Um, a lot of chefs, a lot of managers have been working with us for 20 years. And so working with them at the time um, was a massive learning experience for myself and also 
having the guidance and also the support of the um, of the people that I was working with was something which I am extremely grateful for. They supported me when I first joined the business and it was something which I had to learn a lot at the beginning. Um, and I still do. I still learn a lot from them. Golden Century is obviously still existent in the three different forms that you have with the, the offerings. Do you, do you foresee or have you had conversations about reviving the original Golden Century? We have had opportunities and we have had, um, I guess, people coming up to us and, and presenting us with new venues, new locations to revive the the original Golden Century. So for us, the venues that we have are a reflection, are the, uh, the continuation of the legacy of the Golden Century brand, the dishes, the menu, the taste, the recipes, the seafood, that's all still there. So if you wanted to have the Golden Century dishes, you could still experience it at any of our venues. Um, looking forward, look, we've been we've explored different opportunities. We haven't um, found the right one yet, but it's a work in progress. And there's definitely and there's definitely opportunities to grow. Um, and look, we just wanted to make sure and and we want to bring the dining experience to to a wider audience to more people to be able to see or enjoy um, what Golden Century is all about and I think that there are opportunities in the future that we will be able to do that to be able to showcase um, why people can relate to Golden Century, why people can um, can have this affinity with Golden Century and that that's that's the future of what we what what we will do. What's it feel like for you? You know, having come from a family that's impacted on so many people in such a beautiful way with, a, you know, with a, a restaurant of such status and importance. How, how does it feel for you? Um, mum and dad have always been very very. Mum and Dad have always been very humble with what they've achieved. Um, I I feel like they. Oh, sorry, I'll, I'll start again. Mum and Dad have always been very humble with what they've achieved. Um, I think they've always kept us as a family, as um, a very grounded family. They try to make sure that whatever you achieve, you just do it for the for the right reasons um you put in the hard work you you make sure that whoever comes in it doesn't matter if they're a prime minister it doesn't matter if they're a tycoon it doesn't matter if they're a billionaire or head of state compared to someone that's come in who's a regular compared to someone who's trying golden century the first time these are the people that are coming into the restaurant to support you. And you have to remember that, that whatever you do, you have to give it 100%. And I think that's something that I try to do as best I can. And it's something that will continue to drive the, the culture, the legacy of what Golden Century is all about to make sure that 
whoever comes in, they still get the best produce, they still get the best dishes, it's still cooked the same way. And that was what Golden Central was built on and we will just continue to build upon that. Wow, it's amazing that you are continuing the legacy, uh, Billy. Uh, what, what do you love about what you do? I love the people. It's the opportunity to meet the people that I get to meet. Um, if I worked in any other industry, if I worked in any other, even any other restaurant, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet people from all walks of life, from anywhere around the world. Um, and you get to meet so many kinds of people doing different things from different backgrounds. And a lot of these regular customers, a lot of these people, They've become friends and they've become some of my closest friends through the restaurant. And that's the that's the sort of the satisfaction that you sort of get from that. And at the same time, they're coming in and when you see their faces light up, when they're having that dish and they're remembering that same memory that I had this last year, last week, 10 years ago and it's the same flavor same taste and that smile the eyes light up and you go yep i love it this is so good oh my god that's the best part of of running a restaurant just people enjoying themselves and seeing people having a great meal and and just being able to enjoy it well, Billy, it's an absolute honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear just a part of your family's amazing story. Um, please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Anthony, it's, uh, it's an honour to, um, to be invited to speak on your podcast. Um, it's been fun and uh, thank you very much for having me. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well. <laughs>